0: This is what we're going to do. We're just going to hang fast, and uh, we may succumb to finding someone with a heated pool or a pool that we can use in the backyard, and if not, uh, then I'll fill up the bathtub, and we can all gather in my, and we'll just dunk them that way. (laughs) So we will keep you posted for next week. Last week, I started a series entitled, Putting on the Brakes. As a reflection of my, spirit, of my vacation ponderings, I realized that there are times in life where we just need to slow down. And part of my vacation pondering was that I just... Since the Lord wants to take us deeper in our relationship with Him. Speaking of going deeper, I, I read this week, you know, in James, how it says, Count it all joy concerning the trials you, that come your way? Count, yeah, count it all joy concerning the trials. I read this week about a 90 year old man and listened to this quote. He says, I have been walking with the Lord for so many years now. I don't know the difference between a blessing and the trials. Count it all joy concerning the trials. Boy, you talk about an intimate relationship where you don't know the difference anymore between trials and blessings. That they're all blessings from God. My goodness, man. How many want to go deeper? Well, in order to go deeper, we talked last week that you just got to clean out the clutter. There are times in our lives, as Hebrews 12 says, that before we move forward... We have to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I realize that we're all different, and, and maybe clearing out the clutter for you is just overwhelming. I, I got a text yesterday, last Sunday said, Thanks a lot. Now my wife wants me to clean out the basement. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe it's just overwhelming and, and you don't even know where to start, but. But but you gotta start somewhere, and, and maybe for others, it's it's no big deal. As for me, my clutter, I said last week, is my schedule. And it's difficult, and I want to keep accountable, and I'm working on it, and, and I recognize that it's not impossible. Clearing out the clutter is necessary. If you want to experience the next level, in order to go deeper, the next discipline is putting on the brakes, to pause, to stop, to listen. Now I know that this presents. A tremendous challenge for many of us in this restless, noisy, you know what drives me crazy? And you're probably thinking, it's probably not much. (laughs) I like to get my hands on the guy who invented group texting. Now, I realize that, hey, on some occasions, it's great. I remember when my wife had surgery on her thyroid a year ago or two years ago. And, you know, after surgery, I was able to have a group text to my, my, you, know, my you know, done. But when you're a member of the Freehold Clergy Association with over 25 members, and a message goes out, that requires a response, instead of responding to the sender, all these people respond to all. And before you know it, it's... And then my my text is going, and then my phone starts going off, and, and that's my phone ring. And people say, Pastor, it's real simple. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to look at it. You see, as a child, I was programmed. You know like Pavlov's dog when the bell rang, he started salivating because he knew that food was coming? In my home, when the phone rang, you answered it. The only place I didn't answer the phone was at my grandmother's house. Because she had a party line. If it rang once, it was Mrs. Huffman's. If it rang twice, it was hers. If it rang three times, it was Mrs. McGuire's house. Yeah, remember party lines? When the phone rings, you answer it. And before you know it, it's do-do-do-do. And and I'm like, so have I told you I love Pastor Matt? I was telling Pastor Matt about this dilemma. And he says, Pastor, it's real simple. You put do not disturb. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I've done that before. I've silenced my phone. Three hours later, I forgot that I silenced it. I pick it up, and I have four missed calls, a text, and a voice message from Heather. Hello? And he says, but you could put her on your favorite list. What? Yeah, you can. Check this out. You can put do not disturb, and those on your favorite lists will still come through for the phone call. How cool is that? So now I have to make up a favorite list Heather, Bonnie, Joe, Aaron, Joe. You said him already. No, that's the other Joe. Judy. Judy. Listen, guys, I'm telling you right now if you don't have your mother in law on your favorite list, you're going to be in trouble. (laughs) Problem solved. In this relentless, noisy society filled with relentless activity, taking time to pause. To listen, to stop, presents an almost insurmountable challenge. But let me tell you something, it's necessary. There's no way you and I can move towards a deeper, more intimate relationship with God without extended times of silence and stillness. Listen to these familiar words of the psalmist that we often quote, but we seldom obey. Psalms 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, or King James says, among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, before we spring dive off of that into the message, I just want you to digest what this is saying. As a teenager, I used the Living Bible, and I remember it saying this, Stand still. Stand still. And know that I am God. In the most popular translation of the Bible today, the New American Standard, it says, Cease striving. Cease striving. Let go. Relax. And know that I am God. In the Amplified, let be and be still and know. Recognize and understand that I am God. In Moffat's translation, give in, he cries. Admit that I'm God, high above the nation, high above the world. In that little good news, remember when the good news Bible was popular? Stop fighting, he says, and know that I am God, supreme among the nations, supreme above the world. But the one that fascinates me the most the one that I find most intriguing, the one that is so apropos for today is Eugene Patterson's paraphrase in the message. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Ooh, above politics. Above everything, first, let's take a look at this command: "Be still." In whatever translation, paraphrase, in whatever Bible you you choose to read it, I want you to know that in the original language, in the Hebrew. The word be still is in the imperative form. Well, what's imperative mean? Imperative form means that it is a command. A command in the strictest sense. I also learned this week that the imperative form also means an exhortation. What's an exhortation? An urging of someone to do something. It's an entreaty, a humble request, a plea. It's also can be formed as a wish. So, despite who you are, it applies to all, any level of maturity, any age, me, male or female, every race, every color, every culture, people who are employed, people who are unemployed, single, married, with children, without children. It is God's command. He is urging, he is pleading, he is wishing for us literally to stop. And to know that he is God. To rest, relax, let go, make time. In the Hebrew, the the word still is Rafa. Rapha literally means to cast down, to let fall, especially the hand. This word is found 46 times in the Old Testament. Listen to the way it's been translated feeble, weaken, alone, idle, forsake, abate, which means to subside, cease, slack, be still. Now, for those who know Hebrew, if there's something really interesting here, if, if you haven't caught it yet, this word Rafa comes from the same root for the Hebrew word of doctor, raphae. Rafe means to cure, to heal, to repair, to make whole. In Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six, we read these words: "I am the God who healeth thee. I am the Lord who heals you." We know that one of the names for God is Jehovah Raphi, the Lord our healer. As I started to think of this word "be still," coming from the same root as to be healed, or the same Hebrew word for doctor, all of a sudden, it starts to make a lot of sense for me that this command, this urging, this pleading, this wish for us to be still plays an important part in our emotional, our physical, and our spiritual health. When we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, How many times have you read about Jesus being pressed in by the crowd? Becoming overwhelmed with the need that he slips away into the desert, up onto a hilltop, across the water, into a garden, and Jesus gets alone, and what does he do? He prays. In Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was in the garden of the Gethsemane, we read about how an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and strengthened him. There are times in our lives where we just need to stop, relax, be still. And know that He is God. Jesus gives us a wonderful invitation in Matthew chapter 11. What does Jesus say? Come. Come to me. All of you who are weak, all of you who are weary. of you who are burdened and what's the promise and I will give you rest take my yoke upon me and and learn from me for I am gentle I am humble in heart and, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light I got out my Strong's Concordance and I started to look at the 46 times we see this word, be still. And and I was curious, how many times does it tell us to be still or to stand still? There are seven times, but I want to share three of them with you for a moment. Three examples that we find in the Bible where God tells us to stand still. Let me set the scene for you. The Israelites have been in bondage for years. And finally, God gives them a deliverer in the name of Moses. And Moses tells Pharaoh to let his people go. And and of course, through a series of plagues, but finally through that last plague of the sending over of the death angel, Pharaoh finally says to Moses, okay, you and your people can go. And all of a sudden, they are released from captivity And they get to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, come on, you know the story so well. Pharaoh changes his mind. He gets his army to hunt them down. And all of a sudden, before you know it, the Israelites are between a rock and a hard place. There is the Red Sea that they can't cross. And here's the enemy approaching in. Remember what the Israelites started to do? They started to complain. Hey, Moses... Were there no graves in Egypt? Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt for us to die there? How come you have to bring us out here to die? And remember what Moses tells them? And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still. Stand still and you will see the salvation or you will see the deliverance, some translations say, of the Lord which will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Stand still. And we know that God miraculously parted the Red Sea. And they crossed over on dry ground. And the Egyptians, the prophecy about the Egyptians whom they would see no more. As soon as the Egyptians got down in the water, what happened? The waters closed. Listen, when the enemy is at your back. And you seem to be in a rock and a hard place. Nowhere to go. Stand still. And know that he is God. Well, there they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses dies. They raise up a new leader in Joshua. I love Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Joshua is given the opportunity to lead the israelites into the promised land but when they get to the jordan river the bible says that the jordan was at the flood stage was at the harvest time the flood stage where the jordan river is noted to be over a mile wide so how are we going to get a million plus across this river at flood stage There are some times that life gives you something that's real difficult to cross, isn't it? And the Lord tells Joshua that thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, ye shall... Stand still in Jordan, in the Jordan. Now, there is something very key in this scripture verse about leadership. Listen to me. If this event were to occur today, if the leaders came to a river and dipped their feet in the river, and all of a sudden the river stopped flowing, what would the leaders do? they would cross over to the other side as quickly as possible. And when the leaders got over to the other side, they would say, okay, guys, you can come now. But what does the priest, what does God command the leadership to do? To stand right in the middle until everyone has passed by in other words stand still we have trust we have confidence in our god that he will keep the water from flowing until all of you get through that's leadership and after everybody had crossed they took 12 stones from there built a memorial, and when the leaders put their feet on the other side, the water started to flow again. Remember how all the other nations had a king? And Israel, God would always raise up judges or rulers. And what did Israel want? Israel wanted to become like the other nations. They wanted a king. Well, in 1 Samuel, we see that God raises up Saul. And God tells Samuel to go and to anoint Saul. Listen to what it says. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel says to Saul, bid thy servant or bid the servant pass before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still. Stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. Saul and Samuel and and the servant are walking, and 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 Samuel has something he wants to say to Saul, so he bids Saul tell your servants to, to go ahead, go, go ahead of us. I need to get you alone. Be still for a while because I have a word from the Lord for you. And in the very vexed verse, chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul and says that before this day is over, you'll have three things that will happen that will confirm this. Think about this. You're between a rock and a hard place. The enemy seems like it's crouching in. Stand still and know that he is God. You need to cross. You need a miracle. Stand still and know that he is God. You need a word from the Lord. Stand still and know that he is God. Three examples in the Old Testament where they were told to stand still. Now, let's, in closing, take a look at the benefits for a moment. When you translate Scripture, or when you interpret Scripture, when you, when you study Scripture, remember, context, context, context. You have to understand the context of Ephes- uh, of, of Psalms 46. Remember the invitation that Jesus gives to us in Matthew 11. Come. Come. The psalmist is given an invitation in verse 8 of Psalms 46. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolation that he has brought on the earth. He has made wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields or the chariots with fire the Lord invites the psalmist, hey, come take a tour of these battlefields. And as the psalmist tours the battlefields, he sees that God is victorious in everyone. Therefore, he writes, be still. And no. and I'm sure that you can testify this. Hasn't there been times in your life, chaotic times? Murphy's Law, you know, when something bad happens, something bad happens, and it all piles up. And all of a sudden, you're between a rock and a hard place. There seems like there's no answer. It seems like the enemy has come. And all of a sudden, you remove yourself. You're still. You take time. You're silent before the Lord. And all of a sudden, in that silence, the Lord starts to remind you of all the times he has been victorious in your life. Be still and know. It gives a calm reassurance. It gives a refreshment. Before David was king, Remember how he is constantly fleeing from Saul because Saul was jealous and wanted to kill him. And, and David even had to go to the land of the enemies, down to the Philistines. And he was feared and respected in, in Philist, in, in, among the Philistines because he had killed Goliath. And, and he comes down with his 600 men trying to seek refuge with, his, with the wives and the children of, of the men. And, and, and Achish, the king's servant, gives him a place called Ziglag. And there, David, for about a year and four months, lived in Ziglag. David would help the Philistine army and, and he, he moved his guys for three days with the Philistine army because Israel was crouching down in and Israel was going to fight the Philistines. And all of a sudden, when David brings his army up, the commander of the Philistine army says, hey, I'm not cool with this, man. How do I know you're not going to turn on us and, and this is not cool? You, you need to take your men and you need to go back home. So David marches his, his men back three days to Ziglag and as he gets closer... <laughs> He smells smoke. And as he gets closer, he sees smoke. And when he gets to his camp, everything has been destroyed. Everything has been demolished. Everything has been burnt. The Amalekites came in and took captive the children and all the women. And David and his men, Scripture says, they wept Allowed until they had no strength to weep anymore. On top of it, not only did David have the anguish of running from Saul, the pressure of leading this army, now he has the anguish and the worry of where the women and the children are On top of it, do you know what his men are starting to do? They're starting to murmur against one another, and the murmuring is, let's stone David. You ever feel like your whole world is falling apart? In the midst of all of this, with his men rebelling, wanting to turn their backs on him and stone him, Scripture says that David encourage himself in the Lord. You know what that means? He got alone with the Lord. Some translations it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. I want you to know that when we are obedient to that command to be still, to rest, to relax, that God will refresh and restore and encourage and give us a calm assurance. But there's one more thing. It's in those quiet times, we become more sensitive. In the busyness, in the noise of society, in the chaos, do you know that we can become numb to God? Our hearts can become hard. Remember Elijah after he won that great battle on Mount Carmel? He, after that great battle, he falls into a great depression and runs from Queen, Queen Jezebel, sits under a tree and says, Lord, I want to die. Remember that? Sometimes in the strong victories, you got to watch out. And he goes up into the hills. There's a great force of wind, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And Then there was an earthquake. And the Bible says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was fire, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. But then there was a gentle whisper. And I believe a lot of times the Lord whispers, but we're not sensitive. Because we've been too busy in our lives. remember a few years ago being out at minister school, I was at the evening service, and I had just, I'm tired. It's just been a rough couple months. And there was a move of God, that evening service. And people are flocking to the altar. I'm sitting in the back. And you know what I did? I just pulled up myself, went to my room, and fell asleep. Next morning at breakfast, everybody is saying, wasn't that a great service? Man, God really moved. Man, God was just on. And they're all talking about the presence of God. And I sit there, and I'm saying, I didn't feel anything. You ever been like that? Been in a service where everybody talked about the presence of God being so strong and so mighty and you didn't feel a thing? To me, it was a warning. I had to become numb and I need some time with God. And it's in those quiet times where we stop. We become silent. We become more in tune to His A calm confidence, more sensitive, refreshed. Oh, I believe that that word be still has everything to do, that command, that urge, that wish, that urging, has everything to do with our emotional and spiritual and physical health. You want to go deeper? First, you got to get rid of the clutter so you can have time to be still and silent and wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord, come on, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles.